Hey, uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm Yasha Levine. Hi, I'm Evgeny Akovta. Uh, how's it going? Uh, we got another episode for you. Uh, and uh, we're, we're joined by a guest today. Um, his name is Dennis Levinsky. He's a friend of ours. He's from L.A. He's, uh, he's an artist and works in sort of the art space and a kind of a... How would you describe yourself? Are you a, lay, a layabout? Yeah, layabout, I guess. Uh, you know, a Los Angeles layabout. Yeah, Los Angeles layabout. You know. Would you say are you a zoomer? And I'm thinking about it. You kind of like no. on the zoomer spectrum. I mean, yeah, I'm on the on the cusp. I guess they zoomer say. spectrum. You know, in LA, <laughs> everything's thing, about yeah. like cusps. You know, like astrology. You know, right. generation. So yeah. Uh, okay. Like you got to have things come coming together. Yeah. We're the trans. I mean, yeah. technically, I'm a millennial. I'm the youngest you could be, I think. And then, really, yeah, okay, oh, wow. I think so. I the way I define it, you know, is like it's funny. I define it uh, to a few people in the U.S. At least, it makes more sense. I think in Russia, I would be a Zoomer, but in the U.S., mm-hmm. I would be a millennial just because you know I can remember 9/11, and like the cutoff. Oh. If you look at the dates, it's like 1997 or 98 or. 99 you know that's people that were too young to remember that <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's kind of it feels like a generational gap i guess but that's just my speculation that's interesting yeah because yeah, you're since we're not not hiding so wait the cusp would be your 20 no 27 uh turning 27 yeah going on 27 <laughs> yeah yeah i guess you are on the, the cusp that's interesting so we have the we i guess we have the full range represented in, in on this show today which is i'm I'm considered to be like the elder, elder statesman, <laughs> millennial, you know. Uh, again, although I don't really f- feel a millennial because I'm just because of my immigrant uh, origin. So like I'm the, a foreigner. Yeah, so for foreigner. me, the whole the millennial thing makes no I sense. Know. But I guess I'm like right there. Like I'm a true millennial. I'm 32. Yeah. And you're like on the cusp. But, we have but the full, again, we have the, all the generations, all the millennial generations represented here. So yeah. it's going to be an interesting discussion. I, I, and one of the reasons we're having... Dennis on is other other than he's a really cool guy and an interesting guy is because we're gonna do another um, another uh, episode in our ongoing series uh, our immigrant program deprogramming series where we talk to different uh, immigrants um, not just not just Soviet immigrants or Russian immigrants but all sorts of immigrants we're just making our way through it and so uh, Dennis is Dennis is a really interesting case because he was while he was born in in America um, his parents who are from the Soviet Union you know raised them in this kind of <laughs> Um, you know, very traditional uh, Russian Orthodox, almost like white Russian tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Dennis. And so he's almost like, a, a, I guess, as, as from, from how you told it to me in our conversations, you almost got brought up in like the Vlasovite faith Yeah. in Los Angeles or in Southern California, not in Los Angeles, but in, in San Diego. Yeah, there's, yeah, I guess there's like the, it's only something I, I would like kind of when I, came online as a teenager, did I start realizing these things and putting it together, you know? Uh, but yeah, uh, and there's two, gener- so there's the white, the white emigration, and then the Vlasovite thing is actually, you know, that's the DP generation. They're actually slightly different. Mm-hmm. And I, and I mm-hmm. yeah, and I remember the two kind of groups when I was growing up, and actually the whites were much more chill, I would say. Like they were- Wait, what, what is DP? DP's displaced persons. Uh, uh, displaced persons. The, the right. DP camps that they mm-hmm. set yeah, up. Yeah, so the no, people that in, came yeah. through Germany after Second World largely, War, right? Mm-hmm. After the circuit Second World War, and they're they're actually yeah. the generation that really, I mean, built the a lot of the, you know, 
not only Russian, but also like the Lithuanian communities, the Ukrainian communities in LA, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the churches were built by, you know, DPs, uh, largely, or like opened by that generation. So I guess the first, uh, the first memories I have is like going to church and the first memories of being like Russian and meeting Russian people is like these older, you know, either from the white immigration or from the DP immigration that these older mm-hmm. Russian people that were kind of fostering my Soviet parents into the Orthodox faith, you know, the lost souls, you know. You know what I was thinking, um, because all I know, which is, I guess, pr- pretty common um, about this uh, Jewish wave of immigrants, which is considered a third wave coming out of Soviet Union mm-hmm. in the 70s or 80s, even early 90s. And they would be fostered by the American frequently pretty like rich Jews connected to synagogues and they would be mm-hmm. also like taken under their wing and like brought, us. Yeah, yeah, like, like, family. like Josh's yeah. family but like most people and they would be brought in, into this like basically Jewish faith mm-hmm. coming out of Soviet Union but you your family had like similar experience but like slightly you know just with Russian Orthodox rather than Judaism right it's very similar in terms of like everything is through church yeah community comes from yeah. religion And, you know, part of it, it's not all negative. I would like, I would say it's the reason I was able to preserve like Russian language or, uh, Russian kind of, uh, well, yeah, language, reading, writing. I mean, cause I would go to Sunday school at the church and, you know, by the time I was there, it was that whole tradition was flagging. It's amazing because, you know, there's like three, four generations in some of these families that have been mm-hmm. outside of Russia and they, you know, they speak without an accent and they, you know, they graduated, you know, Russian Sunday school mm-hmm. gymnasium, you know, <laughs> like in, uh, in San Francisco or you mm-hmm. know, schools in LA. So, you know, it, it's pretty remarkable, yeah. these people, how they, how yeah. they preserved it. So, I mean, yeah, it, it was an interesting connection. And I, and I wasn't fully i didn't fully comprehend obviously as a child what the difference was between you know being a, a soviet person and that my parents were actually extremely you know soviet i would say well actually it's you know it's probably a good idea to just kind of roll back a little bit mm-hmm. and explain okay so so well how do your parents end up in america i mean obviously you didn't come in you know like i came we came as part of the soviet mm-hmm. jewish migration out of there that's not how you that's not how your family obviously no no ended up so in. so my family came in 1994 uh was my mother came uh with uh nine and a half no eight and a half months pregnant with my sister <laughs> uh she so she was an anchor baby yeah she landed in <laughs> you know brighton beach and my sister was born at the uh jewish hospital there um and <laughs> Then my father came a few years later with, uh, uh, they had two kids from previous marriages, one each. So they all, they all came together and we were, you know, and then a year later I was born in New Jersey in the suburbs. Um, cause they had moved up slightly, I guess, from the hardcore days in Brighton beach, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah it's funny. Uh, yeah. over just a short period of time. So, and I was, and then I was born there and, We moved out to California when I was, you know, uh, younger than I can remember pretty much. So uh, I ended up going here. But the reason for the emigration really, I mean, it was, you know, I asked my father about this because he's the driving force behind it. And he was like, he, he the way he phrases it is that, you know, he was at a party in St. Petersburg. You know, he was just like hanging out 
And he was part of the generation of people that, you know, opened private businesses for the first time in the late eighties. And mm-hmm. so he was, you know, kind of inside that St. Petersburg click that, um, you know, people associate with Vladimir Putin and that's like the same world, you know, they're obviously, oh, wow. they didn't come across each other personally. He did come across Medvedev, I believe, but. Wow. Oh, I didn't know so that. He, so he yeah, yeah, so he opened a private medical business in the which he was operating out of the military medical academy in uh so he was using their office space and their equipment and everything and just taking cash payments from people that had been able to open bank accounts with laundered, you know, party money essentially. Interesting. Uh so yeah, and so all these people and like, you know, they were kind of joking about, you know, oh that they're handing out American visas, you know, if you want one, get one, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the great friendship over the two nations after the cold war, I guess. Okay, wait, was he part of the, um, I mean, I kind of vaguely know that specific history of late eighties kind of entrepreneurship, yeah. but was he part of the Komsomol? Like, cause I know like actually the people who got chances. He was the, he was actually part, um, party member. Um, he was a member of the party. And obviously before that he was mm-hmm. Komsomol, he was like the president of the Marxist-Leninist yeah. society at his university. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That's what I've heard. That's actually interesting, yeah. right? That's the people who got to get the kind of entrepreneurial yeah, things and, first. You know, it, almost, wasn't, right? it wasn't purely criminal, I would say, because like the thing is that what he was doing is that he was able to secure loans to buy medical equipment and open a private medical clinic. Right, right. And like the pr- first private ambulance, I believe, in all of Russia was... <laughs> was his uh running oh, wow running. that's pretty impressive yeah so i i or at least for sure in st petersburg I, it's one of those things yeah. but i was talking a lot about my father but yeah he was part of that generation and uh-huh. i it obviously was really volatile and so by the time he moved permanently to the united states and he closed his business in like 1997 i think he gave it away in exchange for not uh having to pay debts uh uh-huh. and so he just packed up everything and moved uh to the u.s where my mother was already here with the kids and me raising us <laughs> um so yeah it's it's an interesting story uh but i wonder so was he ever um and I, I don't know how much you can talk about sure. it but i'm just curious was he ever in danger or that's not like that because you know i know that if you were a bit successful in 90s mm-hmm. russia there is even a show that's famous i watched only maybe one episode yeah. i don't know if it's any good um you know oh god what is it called um Criminale Peterburg. Criminale Peterburg. i don't know there are all these dramatizations right. about how you come up in 90s russia so my point is that it always comes up like basically you're like literally in danger your life is in danger but it wasn't like that for a dad or was it uh you know i think it was more that there was a lot of loose ends with money that was taken out as loans so mm-hmm. i as mm. far as physical danger i mean i think like everybody i you know my there was physical danger he had you know obviously the private security okay. firms with people from uh you know just this muscle that was protecting them and they were constantly fighting you know each other there were inter you know different private security groups would mm-hmm. impose on you but um you know i the the greatest danger that i know of is that you know there were threatenings for kidnapping my brother um okay who was living yeah. in st petersburg and so he had to go to a, like a safe house for like a wow uh, for a while so yeah i mean there is that element of physical danger but 
you know, it's one of those things that is kind of clouded in the re- retelling. So I'm not the, I'm not the authority right. on it. Um, I, I'm meaning to sit down with my father and just get interviews, but, uh, you know, so he can retell it with his own words, you know, things that he's told me over, over the course of my life, but you know, I don't have it all perfectly on recall, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. You know. Well, it's interesting. I mean, because I know, Eugenia, you know, your family friend, you know, who's, who had like this pretty successful uh, clinic in Moscow that was... Tr- you know, I think I can even use his name because it's not like a big deal. There's this doctor, his friends of the family, uh, Yakov uh, Marshak. Mm-hmm. I think his grandfather was actually really a big uh, uh, children's poet in Soviet Union, which kind of interesting family history. And then his grandson became just doctor who came up with a... I guess it's sort of novel uh, novel ways to treat um, addiction, different ways of addictions. And he had this clinics that were pretty popular both in Moscow and then later in America. And there were this pretty big, even I remember, like kind of TV commercials with him, you know, advertising those clinics for different alcohol addictions, drug addictions. Anyway, but he ended up, and he comes, you know, from like Soviet intelligentsia, like straight up. And even he eventually, I don't know how to describe it better, like... I guess different like gang interests mm-hmm. uh, noticed him and eventually uh, he had a gun to his head and he had to sign everything off mm-hmm. to someone else. Yeah. And basically just lost everything that that was it. Yeah. And that was Moscow maybe like early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's yeah. like not even considered the most yeah. bizarre like supposedly it's not criminal anymore. But it was. Yeah. I mean, I guess I should add a little bit more context I guess to the well, I think in every in every telling, it changed. The story changes slightly. So when I was growing up, it was just that he had given it away, and then mm-hmm. now it's like that. The reason we ended up in California allegedly was that the the gangs were in New York, in Brighton Beach, and you know New Jersey, and that they were just uh-huh. trying to collect debts. And so he he had one friend in Los Angeles, in Marina del Rey, um, and. They just we just moved out, so that's how we ended up in California. Uh, Interesting. So you know, in some tellings, it's it's peaceful, and some tellings, it's more you know precarious and dangerous. But um, yeah, I don't you know I don't want to sensationalize you know, so it, it's hard <laughs> right. to yeah. It, it would be good to have the good story, yeah, the full story. But I mean, anyways, the whole context of that is that also that. My parents were very, you know, upper middle class, if not upper class within the Soviet Union, because, you know, they're, they're, my father's parent, my father's father was, you know, an academic at the military medical institute. He was, you know, t- tenured professor there um, prior to the collapse of the Soviet Union. And my my mother's father also, you know, high up, you know, military kind of. I believe he he's a colonel in the military in Moscow in the rocketry forces. So, and it's, that's a part of my kind of family background that was pretty obscure to me as a child, because, you know, I associated being Russian more with these kind of Russian immigrants, emigre, you know, Orthodox, you know, Russian world, Ruski Mir that we, we were joking about before (laughs) this, you know, because that, that's that's what everybody around me was saying, and that's what, like what I had firsthand experience of. You know, the the, the Sovietness is something that I would I'd have to, you know, piece together later after you know actually understanding the history or um, seeing. I, I, yeah, uh, and not, neither of my parents my parents were raised completely secular as well, like most people <laughs> in the Soviet Union. So, <laughs> uh, 
uh, it was very no, much a religious revival yeah. that they, you know, I ended up riding that wave. <laughs> Uh, it's like your parents too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but my well, my parents. I mean, they, my parents were a bit more passive. I'd say. I mean, no. They, I mean, they were secular, and then they, they became yeah. They were secular, of, but like they, yeah, it's true. They were secular, but I'd say like they never. I'd say that it's different. I mean, it's similar in some ways, different in a lot of ways because, in a lot of ways, I mean, like what was kind of unique, was interesting about your experience, Dennis, and like it's uh, is that like they were trying to. Re- like they, uh, my, my, my parents were all about like integrating completely into America. Mm-hmm. And so like almost, okay, so you want to learn about your Jewish identity or your Jewish American identity? Cause it's really, that's what the, that's what was, was on offer. I mean, Jewish, uh, Jewish identity is, you know, kind of, there's no such a thing as a pure Jewish identity. It's always t- tacked onto whatever culture you're from. But, but what's interesting about your parents is that they kind of made this almost like a, I mean, they they were they were preser- like they were going back in time and like preserving something mm-hmm. that but they were not. And now, I, like the way you were telling Dennis, it's kind of interesting. I, I I'm now trying to figure out yeah. when did you realize that you know because you were you were telling us. I mean, we were getting into that that you were an altar boy for years, yeah. and so you grew up around this like Orthodox Russian Orthodox Church in Southern California. Mm-hmm. But yet, probably your parents were not truly like you were a kid so why would they open with you that they were not necessarily Russian Orthodox all their life it's not their culture it just like became their culture and you kids growing up in it right. like did it take you a while to realize because that's like that's exactly the point that mm-hmm. they only as adults like way in their adulthood yeah. mm-hmm. got to that I, and I don't know how genuinely maybe genuine right um, you know uh, this is <laughs> this is kind of opening a, a the whole can of worms, I guess, which I, I could, I've talked about endlessly with other people. And, uh, you know, for instance, my girlfriend makes fun of me that I, I'm too, too interested in these things, but totally, it was, it was totally <laughs> obscure to me that they, they weren't, you know, this part of this, you know, long lineage of people or that they weren't even part of the people within the Soviet union that had preserved, you know, uh, Orthodox yeah. culture or suffered. There for were those, those. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I met one of those people, for instance, uh, one of the people growing up going to church, was this guy Vladimir Rusak, who had gone to jail in the eighties. Uh, he was imprisoned for uh, trying to write a history of the Russian Orthodox Church during the Soviet Union, and he was working in the official publishing house of the Russian Orthodox Church. He was a deacon, and he was put on trial and imprisoned for like, uh, I believe he was sentenced to six years, but he ended up being released and then emigrating to the United States in 1989. Um, oh, wow. So, oh. and I, you know, there's those people that, you know, really suffered because of this faith, but, and my parents, you know, very much admired those people, but it, it was hard, you know, my own family history, like my father is at least a quarter, if not a half Jewish. And people would always, you know, comment that he looked Jewish. <laughs> so, and, <laughs> And, you know, it reminds me of of Jenya's family. Yeah. Jenya's family has a lot of that. Yeah, my dad. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, go ahead. So he was always very, he was very like dismissive of that, and actually, <laughs> you know, and that comes from his mother's side, um, who was born in Belarus during the war and was adopted afterwards. So we and she kept that a secret, pretty much until her deathbed. Um, that and she, <laughs> she, she, she yeah, and she, like she has you know an yeah. Orthodox cross on her grave, and she insisted that be the case, but she was taken in by an Orthodox family. And I, I, we don't know how she survived the war, the specifics. Um, but you know, 23 and me revealed for definite fact 
that she was Ashkenazi, you know, but, uh, and then like hundred percent, uh, no 50%. So, but we don't know. So like, at least we assume it would be her mother that was Jewish just, uh, cause she would have, you know, maybe been the one to give up for adoption, you know, or leave on someone's doorstep. <laughs> Nobody knows. Um, yeah. but it's, it's something that I've thought of, you know, going, trying to dive into, and, you know, there's so many resources for Holocaust research, but uh, I don't know where to start with that. And then her, my dad's father was Polish Catholic. Um, and from like a bourgeois Polish family in what is now Belarus in Niesisch. Um, but it's this old, you know, Polish Lithuanian nobility mm-hmm. town in, in what is now, you know, Belarus. So, and it, my dad like very much went out of his way to obscure that from me, you know, <laughs> that no, we're, we're good Orthodox, you know, believers. And it's, it's all very petty because at the end of the day, it's, you know, what, what's the difference between, you know, and they're not even, they're not even Roman Catholic, they're Greek Catholic, you know, so that right, they, right. Their services look Orthodox. They, they're, you know, have their own local taste, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, now that yeah. is funny because there is a, 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 I mean, a serious kind of re- basically a reinvention, right? So your parents are reinventing themselves mm-hmm. as these like good, um, as these pure Russian Orthodox people. Right, and as a complete outsider and coming here as an adult, the way I see all these groups, like what your parents did, which is great, they gave they basically wanted you to have Russian language and culture, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to do outside of any community. So exactly, you had this community and you can't be too picky. What are, commu- what are Russian right. speaking communities out here? There are it's, none. There are uh, none. Yeah. And they, they, as as you know, Yasha told you, right? Like the kind of the Jewish uh, immigrants mm-hmm. usually, uh, not all of them, but many of them don't care that much about the like Russian they're part. They're integrationist, yeah. Because they're integrationist mm-hmm. kind of uh, trying to be, I don't know, American Jews, basically. Mm-hmm. Or, and yeah. then there are not that much left that you can sort of join. And the joining part is important to actually keep the language because I feel like family might be not enough. You need something a bit mm-hmm. wider than just your parents and siblings. So anyway, so, th- well, so yeah. that made sense. But what I'm curious about, so but do you feel like... Um, white immigrant community that you sort of joined, but also the DP immigrants, like, were they totally open to people like you, to your family in terms of, you know, I don't know, mm-hmm. are they, because I was thinking, are they like some kind of snobs or especially the white immigrants mm-hmm. or are they ready to kind of embrace anyone yeah. who is ready to be Russian Orthodox, right. do you know? Because I was somehow thinking maybe it's prejudice that they're actually weirdly <laughs> closed off mm-hmm. and kind of like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, um, I, think, I think they're very ready. Yeah. I think they're very ready because that tradition is, you know, they see, I mean, and starting with the white immigration, it was, you know, it was Russian imperial immigration and, you know, the greater mm-hmm. Russian world, you know, the so, you know, a lot of, you know, many prominent, uh, you know, white emigres were Georgian or, you know, even Azerbaijani or, you know, like Armenian, oh, right. and, yeah. but, the, but as long as they identified with the, you know, greater Russian, you know, world and the restoration of the empire or the restoration of, you know, orthodoxy as like, you know, it, 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 they, they very much were very, I, I would say in my experience, they were very open to accepting people of different mm-hmm. all the different nationalities you know even like people from central asia and you know obviously oh wow it, people from poland belarus and ukraine that's Rus, you know so uh they, yeah. they don't see it as 
distinction at all. And, you know, and that that's backed up by the literature, you know, like that these, that I think in my notes, I, I, I was telling the story of this woman, Maria Nikolaevna, who she was really like, we would go over for hours. I mean, it felt like hours and hours after church, you know, which was already on board to tears. And then we would go over to her house and it's just like this stuffy house in Los Feliz actually. And we would just sit there for hours and hours and talk about, uh, you know, she would talk about the Orthodox faith and then about the history of her family and all these things. And she was this much older later lady. And then she ended up passing along before she died. She ended up passing along a trove of books, you know, that were published in emigration. And, you know, they're, they're from pub Russian publishing houses all around the world. Uh, like Buenos Aires, Paris, Harbin, <laughs> San Francisco, New York, Franco, Spain. And in one of wow. the, a lot of the, you know, the titles, like it's Andrei Diki who wrote these books and it, it, it's a discrediting of the idea that, you know, there are Belarusian people or Ukrainian people, you know, it's that there's one, I think, I think his <laughs> phrase is that it's, this is like very, this is very top. This is very topical. Tree, you know, it's current events. Sudden, it's one yeah. tree and there's three branches. But it's one people. It makes sense, you know. Yeah. And, that, and he was he was like the he were he was the ideologue for Vlasov. So and he it. he ended up emigrating to the United States after the war, and you know publishing these books wherever he could, and you know also he, I think he wrote another one of the books that she passed on is like uh, Jews and the Russian uh, Narod, you know uh, the Russian people, a you know a thousands <laughs> of years of history, you know. <laughs> and it's just this, you know, really, yeah, I mean, it's an anti-Semitic tract, but, um, so, did they, so you, you read it when you were already older then? No, or did you I read actually it back haven't then? read it. They're, they're sitting in it, you know, collecting dust at my mom's house, but it's, I've oh, wow. only uh, leafed through them. Um, but you know, there's also copies, I th there's a copy of the protocols of the elders of Zion that was published in Harbin in 1937. Wow. Um, so that's, you know, in so, China, uh, the white, huge white emigrate community, a lot of people, actually a lot of people that ended up in San Francisco and Los Angeles, they came through uh, Harbin in Shanghai. Uh, of course, yeah. And actually, you know, like the patron saint of San Francisco in the Russian Orthodox Church is this priest. He's, uh, you know, the patron saint, uh, his name is Shanghaisky and San Franciscan. So he's, he... He's the one that fostered. Yeah. yeah, so it's like Sutoy Yuan, Shanghaisky, Isa Francisky. Yeah. Wow. So, and, and well, was, I had no idea. Just, and he's actually he's embalmed in the church. Uh, in the, embalmed? He, he's yeah, like like Lenin. In, in the Richmond district yeah, out there. In the Richmond in... district, he's embalmed in the church. Uh, we gotta can go. Can you look at him? Uh, I think his. You know, you can definitely see his hands. <laughs> I don't know if you can see his face. But he, you know, because you know, I, I mean, I grew up next to that church. Yeah, so, you know, so you I, I, would, I would have like the. So he was just, he was just the yeah. priest. He was just a priest, and you know, then allegedly a wonder worker. Um, Got and it. And he became like the. He was, he was the archbishop of of Shanghai, and then when, I, I believe after the war, they ended up in uh, San Francisco. Um, and he and he founded that church then. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was like the founding archbishop of that church. Wow. Wait, it's on 20 it's, it's on, on it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's on like Geary, it's funny yeah. it's like my brother yeah, it's on Geary exactly it's on Geary and 26th uh, I mean it's like right ac right across the street from this 
this really this dive shitty dive uh, Polynesian drink restaurant uh, bar called Trader Sam's, <laughs> where you get really disgusting Polynesian drinks. Yeah. You know what's interesting though? Remember we were walking by. I forgot when some they were open during COVID and yeah, having yeah. services. Mm-hmm. No, I know, I, no masks, right. I think. I, I, I we, we yeah when, when like we, we we visited our parents from Los Angeles. We were still in LA during COVID. Like it was like the first few months first month actually of like the lockdown happened you know ma- major lockdowns and nothing could be open like obviously houses of worship mm-hmm. were, were closed and we were yeah, we were walking uh, down Geary Street and we heard like the mass or whatever mm-hmm. you call it you know the service um, happening inside they were definitely breaking COVID regulations in San Francisco I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell on them you know but yeah. um uh, but no, but I look as a kid. I mean, I grew up. Yeah. So I grew up. You should go in like sometime six, and see the seven blocks. embalmed body of, of this archbishop. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, God, I got yeah, we got, got to do funny, that. Actually, you know, contrast. To, you know, Lenin in Moscow. You know? yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Jesus, what? It's, it's like Lenin in Moscow. Yes, yeah. Lenin in Moscow. Yeah, but I was very spooked by those people because they they kind of creeped me out because there was no real um inter- We didn't really mingle. You know, the yeah. older what what white was Russian. spooky about it. They just, I, they just, I don't know. They just seemed, they just, it just seemed like a different world to me, and I didn't really know how to approach yeah. it. You know, like uh, they, they, they would be very, they, they are anti-Semitic mostly, especially the older generation. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's not surprising, you know. Um, oh yeah, why would you be spooky? But if I convert it, though, if I convert it, they be. You could be Georgian. You could be, you know, Kazakh if you're Orthodox. But you know, they'll draw the line at Jewish. 